Hey, this is Ashar Miller. I'm Rob Dietz. And I'm Jason Bradford. Welcome to Crazy Town, where human waste is our favorite renewable fuel. This episode was originally recorded early in 2020, before we knew much about the coronavirus. Hey, Jason Asher, I don't mean to get too philosophical on you this, this episode, but you ever notice how every entity has an opposite? You know, mm. there's always opposing forces. I mean, you think about... You mean like Red Sox, Yankees, that kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you think about... Well, I don't know. They both suck. But you think about the... Uh, the realm of physics. Uh, if I'm standing on the earth, I'm, I'm making a force that's going down into the ground, and the ground uh, has an equal and opposite force on my feet, right? Okay. So you mean like protons, electrons? Yeah. Uh, in the religious realm, you got Christ and Antichrist. You know, I don't know which team you're on. You got, you got yin and yang in the spiritual realm. I don't know. There's tons of them, right? In the superheroes, you got Superman and Bizarro. Well, I thought the Superman... What had these like uh, guys from his old planet that were fighting against him? Yeah, you're thinking about Superman too. Okay, uh, General Zod. Who's, yeah, 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 yeah. Who's Bizarro? Bizarro. He's like this guy that looks like Superman, but he's kind of cracked and is, oh, is, he's I from a, he's from another realm. Who is this, who's Spider Man's like uh, alter ego? Venom. Venom. Oh, Venom. Yes. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like in in '80s wrestling, it's Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper starred in a movie called They Live by John Carpenter, and it's all about anti-consumerism. Really? And, yeah, yeah. I got to check that out. Waste some more time in my life. Right, right. right. You got to go consume Plus, that. it has probably the greatest fight scene ever filmed in a movie. <laughs> so there's, there's that. But anyway, the reason I'm thinking about these opposing forces well, you, is... That, you ran into somebody on the street that was like exactly like you, but totally the opposite that, that is not the reason or like no. somebody who's like seinfeld's newman you're like yeah yeah newman. seinfeld and newman. no it's better than that <laughs> oh i found our bizarro version of post-carbon institute another so, think tank handsome you know yes. people involved and <laughs> right. incredibly well funded yeah run by the wisest man in the world well no it was okay so i found this blog called master resource okay and the master resource is fossil fuels. Okay. Okay. So we, we kind of share. It was, I thought it was unobtainium. Um, you're 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 off in the Superman Bizarro realm okay, again. Sorry. So come come back to Earth now. We're so, we're so out far, of that. I you yeah. Know, we agree. I would say yeah. And I'm that's the thing about these opposites. They're they're actually aligned in some. They're similar in some ways. That's right. That's what yeah, we're yeah, saying. Cool. You, you got Superman Bizarro. You got Spider Man Venom. You yeah, got yeah. Uh, Newman Seinfeld. Right. Are they that similar? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Well, they're both postmen. They, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> so, so the crazy thing, I started looking at this piece, and it was written by a guy named Robert Bradley, okay? And it, actually, the, the article I was reading there was not his own writing. He was just putting an excerpt from something that came out of the Heartland Institute. You, no. guys, you guys know the Heartland Institute? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, Heartland Institute. They've done a bang-up job of progressing climate discussion in this country for for a long time <laughs> wow you you and i define progressing a little differently actually, I think. I, can i just give you a little side story Heartland institute actually contacted us so for folks who don't know Heartland institute is is a quote-unquote think tank and they basically have gotten funding from fossil fuel industry to try to cast doubt on climate change yeah. among other things they contacted us actually to get permission to use one of the graphs that we one of the charts we created for a David Hughes report hmm. looking this. at energy consumption 
And Dave's done the great work basically showing how much energy we consume now versus how, how much we consumed in 1850. And Dave was like, no. Right. You can't use it. Sorry. Right. And he had a whole exchange with a woman there basically saying, sure, if you want to use it and use it in, in a correct way, right. you know, that, that would be fine. But I'm opposed to what you guys do and, and therefore you can't use this. Yeah. Well, so this is amazing because Bradley, Robert Bradley posts this excerpt from the Heartland Institute and it says some stuff that I think we would all agree with, okay? Like it says, what? fossil fuels have made possible all these transformative technologies like nitrogen fertilizer, concrete, true, uh, mm-hmm. stuff from the past, the steam engine, the cotton gin. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like they actually do a pretty good job of, of explaining where humanity sits based on our relationship with fossil fuels. They even talked about um, the explosion of population. Population has increased 22-fold over the past millennium, and GDP has gone up 300-fold. I mean, we've talked about these things and talked sure. about those stats. Yes, I'm with um, you. But here's the the weird part about the the part that makes them bizarro rather than just a mirror image of us, is that <laughs> you know we conclude that uh, there are some problems with all of that. Their, their thing is... Um, well, let's just say they're Julian Simon fans. Oh. You know, like they think hmm. technology is going to save us. Um, they think that the human mind is the the ultimate resource. Yes, um, you cannot deplete the human mind. Is that right? why it's called master resource? Well, may, I, mind? I mean, I think they call it that because of the fossil fuel, but maybe it's a, yeah. a double. Yeah. I don't right. know. Robert Bradley in the past, uh, I saw this quote by him where he said, natural resources originate from the mind, not the ground, and therefore are not depletable. Okay. What the frig is he talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If you imagine it, it is true? Is that... Uh. Yeah, I mean, you you can't deplete oil, can you? (laughs) (laughs) We're doing our level best to do it right now, I think. So you can see how finding this, I was kind of like incredible yeah. we, we both agree on where we sit today yeah. based on the just magical properties of fossil fuels yes and i you know this reminds me that so we we both recognize that we live in an unusual time then like they're talking about how the present day and age is so unique in history because of fossil fuels and what we've been able to do with technology we totally agree on that and there's a term for this. You guys are familiar with the term, the Anthropocene, right? That's a geological term. It's pretty well understood now. Right. The, the idea is that humans are causing such an imprint on the planet that we've entered a new geologic era yes. that's defined by the stuff we've done, like yes. littering the ocean with plastics yeah. or, or putting down city footprints, yeah, yeah, changing the climate. All yeah, that. exactly. There's going to there's gonna be a new fossil record layer that is distinct because of our activities. Now, anthropologists, these, these anthropologists, um, uh, Love and Eisenhower, they came up with this term in this paper in like 2016 in a journal Economic Anthropology, and they call they they basically calling on anthropologists to say, look, let's define our current time as high energy modernity. That this is such a unique period in human history. We got to like you know naming the Bronze Age or whatever, like right? or the Iron Age. Right. That our age now is high energy modernity. 
not thinking of it from a geological standpoint, but thinking yeah, of it cultural. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. and it kind of plays upon Marvin Harris' ideas of cultural materialism, and also sort of this guy uh, White White's law, you know, the relation between energy and and civilization and development, and and they're sort of wrapping this up and saying, okay. This is this is going to be a defined era because the difference between them and the folks of the past, they say, and this era is is waning. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yes. Well, see, that's yes. a that's the difference between us and the master resource type right. people is that I mean, we look at where we sit today and our our reliance on fossil fuel, and we say stuff like, "Well, we better figure out what we're going to do as it depletes, or we better figure out what we're going to do if climate change forces us to leave it in the ground." Right. These guys, they're kind of more along the lines of, wow, look at all the great stuff it's done, and therefore it's going to keep going no matter what because it's not depletable, and yes. we just want it to be that way. Thank you. I'm out. But right. there, that's one viewpoint on this. I would say the vast majority of people kind of assume that if we call it high-energy modernity, yes, that we're going to continue on that path indefinitely, and yep. in fact, it's just going to continue to progress. So. Yeah, even those that aren't necessarily like the extreme like them that believe fossil fuels never run out or whatever, uh, or the human mind can create whatever resource it wants, they're going to say, well, we'll just swap out some new technology you know, to do it. It'll be different, but it will be kind of the same. It'll still have high-energy modernity. And Love and Eisenhower criticize that completely and say, this is a fantasy yeah. that we're facing a global power down and it's asking anthropologists and historians, sociologists to say, hey, we need to start talking about what it means from a cultural perspective, a technological perspective to face power down. So you shared that article you're talking Thomas Love, Cindy Eisenhower. Uh, we'll put that in the episode notes. But something they said from there, they said economic development and the build-out of infrastructure and technology are a function of energy capture. Yeah. And the world we know requires harnessing more and more supplies of high-quality energy. And so that's what you're saying. If if we can't do that, yeah. we're facing something different. I was wondering, though, if before we start thinking about what we're facing that's different, could we, could we kind of take a tour of high-energy modernity? Like, what are the, what are the things what are, that define it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so if we were anthropologists, how would we define it? I mean, the the first thing that I think of is the high levels of consumption. Sure. Mm-hmm. Especially those of us sitting here in the United States, not all of us. We know that there's unequal distribution, but by and large, we consume a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. So like the terms in um you know, there's in energy terms, there's this term called exosomatic energy. I'm sure we've brought it up in previous episodes, but the idea that we consume way more energy outside of our body than we consume within our body, which is endosomatic. And so that would be a feature of high energy modernity is the scale of exosomatic energy use. And then you think about what that enables, like the super incredible mobility to be able to jet around the world or jump on a boat or get in a car or train or whatever. I mean, that is, I I think you can't, you can't gloss over that. That's a profound change in people's sense of of reality in their lived experience. Not everyone travels, but yeah. it, but the distances that people travel now, even those that don't have a lot of resources and capacity to, to do that, you know, are much greater than the distances people used to travel before fossil fuels. I was I remember listening to a podcast talking about Alexander the Great and his father Philip, I think it was. Philip the medium. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he Fair to Midland. He, his father actually consolidated, you know, a lot of power. Oh, so um, he was actually the good. 
No, he wasn't a good. He, it's more like Trump, you know? Like, we, we remember Alexander the Great as, like, this amazing phenom, you know, who, like, conquered, you know, this huge part of, of that part of the world at a very young age before he died, right? But he actually kind of did it on the, on the back of his dad's previous work. No, oh, okay. he declared himself Alexander the Great. Right. <laughs> um, I am Alexander and the Trump, Great. <laughs> Trump calls himself a self-made man, you know. Right. Like, I just got a million-dollar loan from my dad, plus right. all these other things. But in any case... Philip consolidated power in that region, and it came from him waging battle with with a nearby other ruler, and they were fifteen miles away. Right, you know, right. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a big deal. That's the distance, you know, yeah. like that they had to traverse. Right, yeah. I mean, oh, people, totally. the average American now drives more than that in a day. Right, right. right. Yeah. Now we do drone war- warfare from Nevada. Right, right. right. You know, right. other parts. It's just ridiculous. Well. Uh, you could look at some of these things as as pluses or minuses, depending on how you look at them. But some of these, some of the things that I think define high energy modernity that you have to call a minus are the the rapid depletion of nature and, right. and the available high quality resources out there, and the impairment of ecological systems the world over. Yeah, and that's sort of where the Anthropocene comes in. Like that's leaving a geological mark. Right. Well, there's this destruction of nature. There's a loss of biodiversity, the you know, loss of habitat, loss of fertility and soil. But think of also just the sheer pollution, right? Mm-hmm. We're able to create all of this waste, right? There are more of us consuming more things. We're creating more waste. We're dumping that waste. We do live on a finite planet. There's not an edge to it where we can just toss things off, right? So it's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Well, you're not talking to the right people. I know. If you I don't know. You guys that. believe in flat Earth, but. Um, you know, so we're filling our oceans with plastic, you know, at this astronomical rate. There's definitely a lot of downsides, plus the sheer kind of force of of this modernity and all the resources required to, to support it. It means taking over indigenous lands and displacing communities. You think about damming of, of rivers and places and what that's done to ecosystems, but also human communities. I mean, they're doing this in Turkey now. I think the longest inhabited oh, community right. in, in Turkey is is basically flooded. yeah flooded yeah. permanently inhabited for over 10,000 years. Well, right. I think that's the main difference and you know we started this with we're uh, kind of opposites with the Heartland Institute and with uh, this master resource it's that we're willing to look at what's actually happening the good and the bad mm-hmm. whereas for some reason they've got some weird cognitive dissonance where they can't imagine the notion that society may need to power down that maybe we've grabbed right. a little right. too much exploited a little too often I mean, I look or, at it, or a lot too often yeah they don't see the downsides of this complexity so one of the one of the ways you can define this higher modernity is it's so complex it's a social complexity a technological complexity the the bureaucratic complexity it, it's just no one really can understand it anymore and if you go back to human history and you say how did we evolve you know we were if we're a 200,000-year-old species, 190,000 years of that was in hunter-gatherer type situations where, okay, you got a digging stick and here's the material to build your shelter. It's all in the, it's all, everyone, you could understand your world and your place in it so readily. And now it's just, it's so confusing. I don't think people understand digging sticks anymore. Oh. That's, a, that's a lost technology. What <laughs> yeah, what are sticks? What like, are uh, sticks? yeah, I don't know. Like, it's something you buy at Amazon. I yeah. Think. Yeah. It's a joystick, yeah. A joystick. Yeah. I don't think they yeah. even have those anymore. But yeah, we're, you're in uh, '80s Atari land. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah. It's um, 
they're maybe focusing on just sort of the positive elements of it. I think some people focus on the positive, some people focus on the negative. You know, a lot of people are very aware of the downsides of fossil fuel use, right, in, in extraction. The, the thing that I find so amazing is that it is kind of inconceivable for most people, no matter kind of where you fall on this, fossil fuels are good, fossil fuels are bad, spectrum, they, the idea of modernity mm-hmm. and, and that being almost synonymous with progress, right, these ideas, it's really hard for people to imagine that going away. Right. You know, everything has got to get better and faster and bigger yeah. More options, you know, now we're talking about autonomous self-driving yeah. cars and you technology can just sit there is going like, to awe us even more. Right, we're going to live in shining cities and maybe it's they'll be solar powered and wind powered and maybe there's going to be rooftop gardens or something like that. Yeah, and most of them won't even be on this planet, right? They'll be floating in well, space. And- yeah, Jeff Bezos thinks that to deal with these issues, we're going to have to have trillions of people in space and harvesting the moon. Not trillions, just trillion. Oh, just one Don't trillion. exaggerate. Excuse me, I'm no. sorry. Come on, jeez. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not new, fair to me. New uh, meaning of harvest moon, huh? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes. Neil Young, I don't think, is uh, I don't think he's a subscriber to this. Well, so, you know, our worldview is you got to look this stuff in the face. You got to you got to prepare for the realities. So, I wanted to ask you guys if high energy modernity is not something that can be maintained, if it was a one-time gleeful bounty of fossil fuel and it's going away, what what are you guys going to what are you guys going to miss? Mm. Wow. Who's going to start? Streaming video. Watching amazing shows whenever I want to watch them. Really? Um, Yeah. That's going to go away? It might. (laughs) Oh, shit. Depends how how much of the moon we harvest in time, Jason. I mean, there's there's some real questions about, especially if you think about it really long term. Yeah. You know, it may not be in our lifetimes or even our kids' lifetimes. Yeah. Can we maintain a global internet infrastructure that has so many servers storing so much data and delivering it. What about the premium VR business model of barnyardsex.com? I mean, what's going to happen to that? Barnyardsex.com? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... What 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 happened? What? Did you buy into their IPO? I, I, wait, I, I'm just an investor. I'm okay. just an investor. Okay, yeah. You're gonna miss being able to invest in enterprises like that and and uh, quintuple your money monthly. Is exactly. That, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I would miss if if let's say um, global production processes go away or or at least that we got to localize things a lot more. You know, I like riding mountain bikes and I like riding these really awesomely made and like i can't imagine trying to make a mountain bike like if i if i had to go out and grab resources and make a mountain bike i mean it would not only not move anywhere and it would be a death trap but yeah like it's so fun to get on a bike and ride a trail like you can get in a state of flow mm-hmm. you can cover all kinds of terrain i mean it's transportation it's fun it's yes. like and I would I would miss access to these awesomely oh. sculpted machines with their little uh, yes. you know incredible parts and uh, I, w- I I hold my tennis racket which which is graphene which apparently is a miracle material and I can tell you that I couldn't I serve a lot better now than I 
would have would be able to in a 1980 racket that John Macaroon might have used in like Wimbledon. You know? Well, let, let's even go for like, what if we have to make the racket? Like I was talking about making a Malmo. What if we have to make your racket? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what are we going to do? I know. It's just pathetic. I have to go like find a cat that died and get the gut <laughs> out or something. You know, I, yeah, it's crazy. So like cheap and easy recreational tennis. Am I going to be able to have that? I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a stupid example, but. I, I gotta say, I'm constantly remembering. Well, I'm forgetting things, and I'm remembering I need to go get something from the store. Yeah, you know I mean, and for me to be able to, you know, even if I'm oh. biking there. By the way, Rob, I think your bike there might be a way for that to last for a while. Maybe. You know I mean, you maybe. may not be able to get a new yeah. model all the time, but if you know, for me to just bike to the store whenever I want and go pick up that thing, right? Cheese doodles, which I, I think our, <laughs> our good friend, John, you know, yeah. um, the, the, counselors like. Uh, his fa- his favorite thing in the world, but so yeah. you're you're saying you're gonna miss the ability to go get cheese doodles at any any hour of the day. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I'm, well, I I mean honestly, I'm gonna miss out of season imported fresh produce. Uh-huh. All right. I mean, I think we take that for granted, and I feel a little shame saying this because you know I'm this locavore dude, and but. Still, it sure is nice to get like a pint of cherries right now and just. just I my the things that I you know the things that I think about that citrus like it, you remember you hear you see yeah. these like uh like norman rockwell paintings or whatever and somebody's getting like an orange for christmas okay i can get an orange anytime i want and i get bags of it and and, and avocados for god's sake i'm not talking about like a durian from malaysia i'm saying like these things are now you're freaking me out because forget oranges what, what? about coffee Oh my Dude, god! I forgot about coffee. I you're, don't you're, know that I could survive. Right. You, you're gonna have to find a new stimulant, like throwing dirt in your eyes or uh, <laughs> See, uh, cold uh, water bath, ripping out kicked in the balls first thing in the <laughs> right. morning to wake up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a, keep a pair of pliers by the bed so yeah. you can rip a tooth out or yeah. something. Yeah, that will only last so long. Right. You, days yeah. you only get thirty days or so. And, uh, yeah. That's not renewable. <laughs> right. Come on. Right. Yes. No, actually, that would be pretty bad. In in if I can get serious for a second. Yeah, I take medication every day oh, right. for my thyroid. If I don't take that medication, I could die, right? So I kind of like, I got to say, I like having, you know, there's a lot of downsides to our modern health system. Right. There's certainly downsides to the pharmaceutical industry. But the fact that I can get synthetic thyroid supplement and I yeah. can go down to the pharmacy and pick that up every 90 days to, to keep me alive, I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, can I uh, also turn, you know, we talked about there are good things, there are bad things about fossil fuels. There's also good things and bad things about exiting this high energy modernity scene. So I'm wondering if we could turn this toward things we're absolutely not going to miss as we uh, as we change society up from the uh, the fossil fuel age. Yes. And the reason I want to turn, I got to tell you guys about mine. I am not going to miss... Ronald McDonald, Mayor McCheese, Grimace, <laughs> Captain Crook, and the Hamburglar. You know, these are the, uh, the McDonald Land gang. Yes. You, you remember these characters? Yes. To me, they're symbols of fast food. Yeah. They're symbols of marketing to children. They're symbols of lack of creativity. In fact, uh, McDonald's basically got 
sued for making these characters. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they got sued by um, Sid and Marty Croft, who uh, I don't know if people would remember this. They made the uh, Puffin Stuff characters, and apparently they looked a lot like the McDonald Land guys. You poor thing. I know. These are things that are in my head, right? <laughs> right? But, but I mean, you can see how high energy modernity led to the fast food culture, to yeah. this idea of let's you know, sort of hyper the marketing uh, industry hyper consumption. Yeah. Marketing to kids. Right. Yeah, I, fuck you know, that stuff. Now I want everybody to like and subscribe to our, our Facebook page on a crazy town Facebook page, but I will not miss social media and heavy smartphone. Oh use. yeah. Well, what about hypocrisy? You're going to miss that? <laughs> no, <Huh>? that, that's, <laughs> that will live forever. Yes. But you know, people, you ever, once, you ever go somewhere and, Put your chin kind of up a little bit so that your eyes can actually like look across a room. I'm not able to do that anymore. Right. My, my neck is yeah. permanently bent. Right, right. And you like look and you're like, oh no, everyone's hunchbacked and they're 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 nearsighted. And you're just like, oh, I remember when I was in college, I would go to the coffee shop. I love this. I was a UC Davis student and it was great. You just walk through the coffee shop and you'd grab something to eat and and you'd you'd just see people and people would see you and you'd start talking. So I'm going to give you a a little story with a smidgen of hope, which is that there are students, I think, is it University of Minnesota Duluth or something like that? I I, I apologize to the school, but I I saw a news piece about this. And they're organizing these, basically these meetups where everybody leaves their technology behind oh, just so cool. that they can actually look yeah. at each other in the face. Yeah, and learn know, how to have contact. a relationship that involves conversation and eye contact. Yeah. That's amazing. That's weird. That's <laughs> just weird. I, so I here's what I won't miss. I won't miss loud, obnoxious noises when I'm oh. walking down the street in my neighborhood. So oh. things I'm talking about here are people leaf blowing. Yes, good one. Children. I fucking hate that. <laughs> children. No, not the children part, the leaf blowers. How about people who drive like these these kind of uh, muscle cars <sighs> and they have a need to rev their engine or, or Harley guys are the worst. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, right. Harley guys. But revving that fucking thing for yeah. no reason just because you want attention will not miss that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jackhammers. If you're going to go automotive here, can we talk about those like diesel spewing massive pickup trucks? Even if you're if you're biking, it's horrible, right? Like it just gets cloud of black I, smoke. I love breathing that stuff yeah. in. If you're, but even if you're in a car, three cars behind one of those, it still stinks. Like mm-hmm. how is this? Uh, how is this okay? Yeah, I'm not gonna miss that. No. I, I won't miss airplane food. <laughs> they don't even serve it anymore, <laughs> right. so it doesn't really matter. Already, I guess. Yeah, you've yeah. already dealt with that. <laughs> you know what I think, though. If I try to get serious a little bit, is that possible? Sure. Um, I don't know. Is it? I'll, f- I'll find out, I guess. I might get made fun of with this because this is kind of touchy-feely. Likely. Likely. Okay. But go ahead. Um, I think... Part- Hi, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this ties... I mean, I guess this ties a little bit to what I said before about uh, cell phone use and you know people in their own little bubble. Um, this is a natural evolution of our hyper-individualistic culture... And it's the culture of sort of big corporations and big government, and and I think that has and this 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 awe inspiring technology, which has created I think these poor kids and you know adults are getting hooked onto this stuff too. I mean I'm not saying our generation's perfect or anything like that, 
but um, <laughs> by any means, news. <laughs> news. Um, but it's gotten worse, I'd say. But even me growing up in like the nuclear family kind of situation, I think that was an unusual period in history where you weren't as connected to place because people moved a lot. You weren't as connected to family because families were spread out and isolated and you didn't have to take care of of the elders and you didn't have you didn't have these neighborhood relationships that were really kind of extended tribes in a sense. And because you didn't have to, you could you could go into your private world. And I think we have this thing culture of that has led to a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of feeling of loneliness, a sense of, you know, do I have any agency in the world actually? You know, what can I do? I'm so little and everything is so big and out of control and complex. So, you know, if I cast my eyes pretty far in the future, if there's people around still, I can see them living very differently and not having those problems. Yeah, I thinking about this question of high energy modernity and what we would miss and what what we would love to see be gone. Right. Um, I think there's a real, I don't know, I, I get a little anxious thinking about it because... There are things that we have gained from this anomalous period in human history, right? With this, mm-hmm. this yeah. like, uh, you and know. you mean we, like the collective humanity. Yes. Not right? you personally. Well, I have too. But yeah. no, um, our colleague Richard Heinberg talks about, you know, humanity having won the energy lottery, right? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of waste and, and frivolity that came with that. But there are things that at least coincided, if not were directly caused by having this abundant energy that I would be really worried about us losing. And some of that just has to do with, think about how much we've learned. With all the surplus that we've had, we've been able to provide various levels of public education to people, higher education, lots of specialization. Some of that is, I think, to our detriment now. But been able to really explore and understand the universe in ways yeah. that we didn't before. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have the Hubble telescope in I know. space, and, I know. you oh. know, to go down into the subatomic level and understand, you know, the Higgs boson. Yeah. That <laughs> one. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what kind of application is there, but well, just the knowledge though, yeah. I think you're talking about the quest for understanding yeah. for understanding what are humans? And Why do we exist? Where, where, where do we, do we live? I, mean, I think humans have from? been asking those questions forever and will continue to ask those questions forever. And some of the science-based inquiry stuff is done too much with, uh, with an intent for control. Like we want to understand, we want to, we want to understand so we can control. But mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of what we've learned that's just, it's really magical and amazing. And education greater rights for more people. We're far from where we need to be. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the rights of, of individuals, individuals who have differences, people with with physical disabilities in the modern world, very different than, than they had yeah. previously. And well, and increasing life expectancies, decreasing violence. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, like uh, think about child mort- mortality rates. So what are the things that we... You know, to me, those things are are almost sacrosanct. You right. know, like I want those to continue, not just to continue through this transition that we're going to go through, because we're not talking about things like the lights getting shut off over overnight, right? right. This is going to be a gradual transition. So, but 
far-ranging future. Right. What, what do societies have? So right. this is where the opposites of us, the, the master resource types, just they don't deal with it. They, they just say, oh, we'll just continue. Technology will right. solve it. It's non-negotiable. It. But so what we're yeah. saying right. is, yeah, that we, there are things we want to hang on to, and let's pay attention and make sure that happens. And so it's not like the three of us can sit here and tell anybody how that's going to happen, but we know that at least we have a, a good idea that what we should prepare for is first valuing those things, making sure that we have a shared value about that, and then trying to figure out how do we hang on as we localize, as right. we power down, as we get smaller. And I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. Asher, you sent around an article uh, a couple weeks ago uh, by a guy named Nick Estes. He is a professor at the University of New Mexico and mm-hmm. He does a lot of work studying indigenous cultures and the political system, social systems that they operate under. And the article you sent talked about technology and hierarchy, and I found it fascinating. He was talking about how some technologies, even ones that people think of as green, or at least uh, maybe a technology of the future as we're trying to get off fossil fuels, come with this hierarchy. Uh, and he specifically mentioned hydro, big hydroelectric dams and uh, nuclear power plants. Mm-hmm. Like you basically can't operate these things without a level of complexity, without a big hierarchy. Otherwise, you've, you know, like let's say you got rid of the hierarchy that manages the nuclear power plant. <laughs> Suddenly you've got uh, fuel rods overheating and you got a meltdown and, and people start dying. Right. right. Local control is not an option for stuff like that. You know, you're <laughs> right. Well, and in the case of nuclear, it's not just local c- control; it's the ability to manage the stuff with all the complexity that's inherent in that yes. for how long? How long? Right? Because there's supply chain issues. There's like, oh, the ability to manage the waste if if we were to do that, or the control systems. You know, the computers that have to manage this, and the the training of the workers. I mean, all of this is relying on this high energy modernity infrastructure to to have in place and to and to refresh as needed. And that is frightening to me, honestly. Yeah. So I think what, what Nick Estes is saying is start thinking about technologies that don't require that kind of hierarchy. It doesn't mean, you know, I, I think humans, there's, there's always going to be a relationship with technology, whether it's your digging stick, Jason, or a nuclear power plant, where, you know, hopefully there's some in between there. But uh, what he's saying is to think about what you could run without having that kind of a hierarchy. And I, I, I don't know, that that struck a chord with me. Like, how do we get to a more of a wise energy use instead yeah. of high energy use? When we talk about, so we're talking about sort of appropriate technology, which was something I know was quite in fad in, in, in the 70s. Yeah. The, one of the positives of appropriate technology or, or low-tech Solutions and by the way, there's a great online magazine called Low Tech Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, we repost some of the articles. Right. Chris Decker at right. uh, Resilience.org. And th- oh yeah, that, and he was referenced in that article called uh, "Can the Internet Survive Climate Change?" Yeah, right. which I thought would be better titled "Can the Internet Survive Energy Hi- Descent or Power Down <laughs> or High Energy Modernity?" The descent of high energy modernity. But there's amazing, yeah, you know, amazing explorations there about technologies that used to exist and kind of became passe because we mm-hmm. didn't need them anymore. That could be really applicable. And and what you're, I think, pointing to, Rob, is that actually there's a benefit of going of downscaling technology in a sense and, and relocalizing it, which which is that 
the control of that technology is with people locally. And it can be, uh, it's much more able to be responsive to the local environment and the needs of the people in the community, whereas these large mega projects, and, and we're talking about energy in this case, but it's true in, in all cases. You look at manufacturing of all kinds of things, industries of all kinds, consumption, you know, and consolidation of those things. So those have had a huge cost on human communities and natural communities. So there's, a, in a sense, a plus side to downscaling those, mm-hmm. uh, to bring it back to the local level. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at a modernity in the future that's more local, more powered down, but hopefully hanging on to the things we care most about. And and maybe what we have to do is flip the idea of elements of what we think of as modernity and elements of what we think of as progress and recognize, like, for example, indigenous communities practice incredible science. They, they learned how to do things over time and did some things with a lot of nuance and complexity by learning how to work with their natural environments. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot that really creates, uh, it creates an opportunity for us to continue to learn and evolve and progress by living within these limits rather than just consuming stuff and and wasting everything and nothing about the consequences. (laughs) Yes, Asher. And that's something that I recall from the the Love and Eisenhower paper uh, that gave us the term high energy modernity they were they were imploring you know anthropologists academics in general to think about those kind of questions like how are we going to manage preserving the best of what we care about and how are social institutions political structures um how are they going to deal with this no one's really asking these questions i'm glad we're talking about mm-hmm. it but they they want those who have the time and and wherewithal to think about these things to start asking those questions themselves. Right. Well, and sometimes we have the institutions around. I mean, we have universities as repositories of knowledge. We've got libraries. Maybe taking another look at those and investing more heavily in them and in, in how we share knowledge from those those places that have it. Yeah, I mean, if we if we think that there's a chance that we will not have as much complexity and opportunity in the future, right, to gather knowledge and continue to pursue studies in these kind of sometimes esoteric ways. Let's build a library now and make yeah, sure we retain it. that and we preserve that knowledge. And maybe don't do that just on computers. Right. You know, maybe we need some physical repositories of this knowledge that can, that right. can last a while. I mean, I, I agree with you, Jason. I, we want people studying this. We want formal papers on, on how how society might work, what institutions would work best. But I also think it's a ground-up deal where we're going to need people just thinking about it. You know, like do that uh, same exercise. What are you going to yeah. miss and not miss? And if, if there's really something you're going to miss, you might figure out how to uh, either find a substitute or how to be able to keep some, at least some part of that thing. It's kind of a fun, like just thought exercise. It can be non-threatening in a sense. Like if you were to say, hey, what is it about the modern world that you might miss if we had to live with a lot less energy and resources, and what wouldn't you admit? I mean, that's a non-threatening way maybe to bring up some of these deeper conversations. Yeah. Just don't bring up coffee with me again, because (laughs) I I don't know if I can handle it. I've got your wrench right over here. (laughs) We'll have Mayor McCheese bring you coffee and then shoot you uh, with a blower. (laughs) Great. That sounds like a perfect image of the future. (laughs) 
So guys, uh, for folks who sign up to get the uh, PCI Messenger this week, what are we offering to them? I think the uh, the top prize this week is a non-depletable supply of bullshit from the Heartland Institute. That's good. And I think, you know, in, in um, we're still in high-energy modernity. We're still in that era. So what I want people to do is stick their thumbs in a socket and just feel the power. <laughs> How about a fork? What Please if, what, don't do that. What, what, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Suddenly we get an onslaught of lawsuits. Tell, tell you what, we're going to send each and every one of you a capped supply of high-energy modernity. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's, our new, it's our new cologne. Yeah, we'll yeah. send you a six-pack. It smells stuff. like the exhaust from a very, very large pickup truck. Yeah, yeah. you'll smell like the Hamburglar. 